Second Chronicles chapter 20 is one of those uh, stories that I just can't seem to get away from. And um, I've probably talked about it at the ring um, half a dozen times over the years. And um, so I apologize if uh, you aren't into redundancy. Um, but it seems like each time God kind of uses it uh, from a different angle to meet a different, to meet us in a different place. And, um, you know, the last couple of weeks we've been going through just some of those classic favorite stories of the Old Testament. This is probably not one that you ever heard in Sunday school. Um, but this is one that, uh, in just praying about it and thinking about it, that God had for us tonight. Now, let's keep in mind at any moment, Hope Church will walk in and, and whatever. So let's just be, they're here. There they are, right there. That's the two of them. Hey, y'all. <laughs> just kidding. If y'all want to bring them in, that'd be great. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's, let's cue the uh, LSU fight song. And uh, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. You just tell them just to come on in whenever they want. Uh, we have a whole section just for y'all. So I'm just going to keep going then. Um, Second Chronicles chapter 20 um, is a story of Jehoshaphat, one of the great Old Testament names. Uh, and uh, he found himself in a situation that probably um, none of us will ever uh, be in. But we can kind of relate because um, sometimes, you know, life just kind of, it just kind of happens. And, and you have those days where um, it just feels like, like a bomb was just dropped on you, you know. And you have no idea what to do, how to handle it, um, what is step one. Like you just, you're just kind of stuck. And um, maybe, you know, maybe some of you tonight are kind of in that place where this week, like you got some bad news. You uh, had to make some, you have to, to now make some decisions. You are just fed up with fighting the same battles and the same problems and the same hang-ups or whatever. I mean, I, I, we go on and on and on. But I think we could probably all relate to just that idea that sometimes life just happens and you have those days where you're just kind of stunned, you know. Um, tell you what, keep your finger on Second uh, Chronicles 20. Flip over to the book of Second Timothy, if you would. If you don't want to, that's fine. The book of 2 Timothy has a, a verse in it that we talked about over the summer and has really, God just used it to deal with me a lot. Y'all come on in. We got a bunch of seats over here for y'all. We'll say hi in a minute uh, when everybody uh, trickles in. Um, 2 Timothy 20 verse, I'm sorry, what am I thinking? 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. Paul's been, he's been encouraging Timothy and saying all these things and how he's been praying for him and, and all this kind of stuff. He says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. All right? Some of your translations may say fear instead of timidity. That God, God's spirit that lives inside of us that is not a spirit of fear. Fear has nothing to do with, with God. The spirit that he has given us is one of power one of love, one of self-discipline. And it's that last one for, for me 
um, that really is something I don't really understand. Self-discipline, some of your translations say sound mind. Um, I have a a friend who he describes it more as that that self-leadership, you know, like when you when you have to like kind of like guide yourself, you know, and I think a lot of times when we're facing those times when life is just crumbled, you know, and you and you have just those days where you kind of have to make some decisions, you know, like you have to do something um, and you're like, what do I do? And and for me, that self-discipline is the, the leadership that we have to give ourselves in those moments. And that, for me, that's a lot of times where I really struggle is that, like, well, I don't know what to do. You know, I need somebody to tell me what to do. Tell me what to say, tell me what to think, tell me who to talk to, tell me to, you know, whatever. Um, so keep that, that 2 Timothy 1.7 in mind, because what we're really going to talk about is, is how does that self-discipline show up in, in everyday life, but also in like those big, difficult moments of life. All right, back to Second Chronicles 20. We see that self-discipline and that understanding show up in Jehoshaphat's life. And here's what happened. Starting in verse 1. It says, After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Meunites, came to make war on Jehoshaphat. All right? Three groups of people were coming to make war on uh, the, uh, the Hebrews. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It's already in Hazan Tamar, that is, in Gedi. All right? So, so here's kind of one of those moments. Now, you and I may never be in those situations where you're the president and somebody, like, you know, the, the scene where President Bush was at the, you know, the kindergarten class or whatever, and they come and they whisper to him about the 9-11 attacks. It, I mean, that's famous footage, you know, forever. That will be something that, like, I mean, everybody will see. We'll probably never have those moments where you get that news and you're like the president and people are coming to, you know, to attack your country, all right? But we will be in those situations where the doctor looks at you and says, you got cancer. That's realistic, you know. Or your parents call you and they say, hey, we got some bad news, got a bad report from the doctor. Or um, you're a college student and you have to graduate and your academic advisor says, you are not going to graduate. All right. Or your parents look at you and they say, on this date, we're not paying for anything else anymore. Like, wow. Your boss looks at you and says, you don't have a job anymore. You know, there's those times where you're all of a sudden, like, you just go cold. And that's probably what Jehoshaphat, like, experienced when they came in and they whispered, hey, there's not just one army is coming after us, three armies, and they're already on their way. It's about to get bad. Um, What do you do in those moments? How does that spirit of self-discipline, of sound mind, of self-leadership show up in those moments. We're going we're gonna to look at what, how Jehoshaphat handled it. I'm going to do my best to say that word correctly all night, and I probably won't. Um, we're gonna, just going to look at how he handled it. Now, I think there, there are basically three things, three little points uh, for tonight that I'm pretty sure we can all remember. And the funny part, what I love about the Old Testament is like it seems so complicated, but it's incredibly basic. 
There's so much that we can learn from the, from these stories, you know, and every week we go through these stories and there's like, oh, it's like a movie. There's like this one point you pull out of it, you know. Um, that's kind of where we're going to be tonight. So there are three points. So we'll just read the story, look at the points, all right? Y'all say hey to Hope Community Church over here. Hey. Y'all say hey to the Ring Community Church. Hey, that, that worked well. Glad you guys are here. We're in Second Chronicles 20, if, if you want to come in. Guys, y'all come on in. We're just going to keep plugging ahead. All right, so you just got this bad news, right? Here we go, verse 3. Alarmed, obviously, um, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Okay, here's here's the the first thing Um, when when life hits and and all of a sudden you you have to do something, you have to respond, you have to give leadership to yourself. Point number one, the word is pray. There it is. He he prayed. His first response was to pray. It says, alarm, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. His first response was, all right, what, what does God have to say about this? And for some reason, I think, like, as, as elementary as that is to us, you know, like, well, oh, we need to pray about it. I mean, duh. I think very few of us would say that consistently that is our first response. Whether it's big stuff or, or little stuff, I think all of us struggle to have that be the first thing that we think to do. Um, and I don't know why that is, and I was kind of, like, speculating as to why. I think... And my thoughts kind of went two directions. One, I think that that it's hard for everybody, but I, I really think that men struggle to have that be their first response. I think it's just a struggle that, that guys have. And I think it's because there's something in us, whether it's taught by our parents or by culture or, you know, whatever, there's just something about us that hates to admit that we either don't know what to do or that we need help to do something. You know, we, we hate that. And I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's, it's a genetic thing or, or what. I don't know. But men really struggle. I see women, all the, they, they love to pray. They love to get into the Word. They love that connection with God. I mean, that's just the first thing. We need to pray right now. And there, uh, but when I look around my life and I look around the churches I've been a part of, just as a blanket statement, I see men really just struggling with that. And maybe it's pride or maybe it's you know, whatever. I, I don't know. But, you know, as as the ring grows up, like Drew said, every time he comes, the ring looks different. We're starting to have more, you know, more husbands and more fathers and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I'm I'm neither of that. So I feel like I can say this and I'll be a hypocrite. Um, you guys, you cannot lead your home if you're not praying. If your if your response to good news, bad news, big stuff, little stuff, if it's anything other than God, what do you have to say about this? God, what do we need to do? If your first response is not to look to Him, then you're going to struggle to fulfill that that God-given calling that all of you have, that all of us have. And I don't know why, like that's just consistent across the board in so many churches. But you you look at you look at churches that are really like reaching their communities and they are, are um, 
connecting with the hurting and all this kind of stuff. You look at those churches, and they've got this strong male heartbeat that loves to connect with the Lord, that loves to serve. They just That's just the thing. There's just something about it. And I'm not here to beat up on the guys because I have the same problem. Turning to the Lord's like my fifth, sixth thing, you know. And guys, we have to work on that. And we, just, we have to quit pretending like it's not, you know, an issue. And so maybe some of you guys tonight, maybe that's the whole reason God brought you here was, was for him to say like, yeah, um, that's not the way you respond to stuff. And it needs to be. And I'm not pointing the finger. I mean, it's, I'm pointing the finger at me first. I'm not saying all of the women out there, you don't get off the hook, you know, like I understand it's not exactly easy for you guys either, but I think there's something about that male ego that just hates to ask for help, hates to act like you don't know. But one of the most healthy things I think you can ever do is to look, to look in the eyes of the people around you and say, I have no idea what to do. I need, we, we've got to have God's help to make this decision, to push through this, to whatever, um, Amazing. Okay, I'm keep going. Um, the, the kind of the, the other thing that where other place God kind of brought me as far as like why why is praying first not necessarily the first thing that we do is I, I think struggling to to hear God's response is kind of a source of frustration. You know, it's like well okay I pray like I ask God for guidance but uh, He doesn't say anything. You know, I don't know how to distinguish his voice from the voice in my head, you know, and it's like his voice and my voice sound a whole lot alike sometimes. And and it's frustrating because you, it's hard to discern that and you just get tired of it and you get irritated and you just kind of just don't really want to ask anymore because it just brings up, you know, all that stuff. And then you start feeling like, well, maybe I don't even know Christ and maybe I'm not really saved and this and this and this. And other people seem to ask God and like he speaks to him audibly or he writes on a wall, you know, or he just does something just miraculous. And I'm just like Drew said earlier, just having a staring contest with him. And he always wins. And so I think sometimes we get frustrated and so we quit. But that's kind of silly, you know. It's like when when we go to Mexico, um, you know, I'm, I've gone way too many times to still like be unable to speak Spanish very well. Okay, it's, I'm without excuse. And so, um, but every time I'm there, I, I, there comes this like wall that I have to push through. And it's like, okay, I can either like just quit quit trying altogether to even just talk to anybody except for Santa because she speaks English, you know, and I'm, I, or I can just push through that. And even though it's a little bit uncomfortable, I can keep learning how to communicate with them. I, I, I can work on it. I can try. And even if they laugh at me because I say jalapeno instead of jalapeno, and they all laugh, I think that's the funniest thing ever, which I don't really get. But um, even though they're going to laugh at me and it's going to be kind of weird, communication is something that, that you learn how to do. And so every time I'm down there, rather than quit, I have to push myself through that and say, look, it doesn't matter if I look silly. Like, I'm going to learn how to communicate better while I'm here. Prayer's kind of the same way. So one thing is, you know, it's, it's just communicating with God, and so it's something that you have to learn how to do. So don't expect too much of yourself, first of all. Second thing, hey, y'all, that's more Hope Community Church people. Yes. We're glad y'all are here. Y'all come on over on this side. We cleared some chairs out for y'all and stuff. We're glad y'all are here. Yes. Good. 
Let me just go ahead and say that uh, after we're done here tonight, we're going to have like a, like a kind of a, somebody called it a dessert social <laughs> earlier. We never had a social before, so let's have one. Um, it's kind of just a, a time with dessert and coffee and Cokes and stuff where we, can, we get to hang out with y'all and meet y'all and everything. So we'll get to do that. And so um, that's one way that we say welcome to South Louisiana. We cleared out some chairs for y'all. And what better way to say welcome to South Louisiana than to let y'all win that game last night? I mean, I hope you feel welcome. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Y'all played a heck of a game, and we did not. It was good. I was in North Georgia watching the game, surrounded by people who uh, were kind of indifferent. And uh, I think they kind of laughed at us the whole time when we were basically in tears as we left. They didn't understand why we were so upset. We're glad you guys are here. We're in Second Chronicles 20. So if, if prayer is a, is a battle because of communication, one, it, it's something that you learn. But two, um, communication is something that, um, all right, like that's kind of what I do here on Sunday nights, okay? If I say something and you don't understand it, all right, that's, it's my job to communicate clearly as the communicator, okay? Um, so let's, let's stop and think about it a little bit. We pray. And we're waiting for God to communicate back to us, okay? He's the communicator. Basically, it's, it's his job to make it clear to us what he's saying, okay? We're communicating with God, all right? I'm pretty sure that he is able to make clear what he wants to communicate to us. He knows when it's not clear. He knows exactly why we struggle to hear that, that just clear concise, like exactly what we need. He knows that there's a problem. He knows that we're frustrated. He knows everything about the entire situation. And so really, us struggling to hear is not a good reason to quit because the communicator is the Almighty. And there's nothing that he you know, is unable to do. And so I'm pretty sure if, if he can heal and uh, you know, redeem and do all the things that we believe he can do, he can let us know exactly what needs to happen. He will communicate with us. And so if prayer is something that you just have given up on because you're frustrated or you know, whatever, like that's, that doesn't cut it. We were designed to have a relationship with him that relationship it flourishes in that communication with god and so when life just kind of just drops like a bomb and you and you don't know what to do and and you need that that spirit of self-discipline to show up the first thing to do is it's got to be to turn to him and to pray and so maybe that's the the concept that god wants you to hear tonight Maybe that's what you need to do. Or maybe there's something right around the corner, and as soon as it happens, you're going to know the first point of tonight's deal was to pray. Not to pray as the fifth or sixth op- option, but as the first thing. So with it, within that, that point of prayer, let's look at his prayer real quick and pull out a few random things that will maybe help us as we are trying to, to push through this communication wall with God sometimes. Look at verse 3. I already said that. The verse, verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and, and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, 
O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. All right? Just keep this in mind. Remember who we're praying to. Don't forget that whatever it is that that has just fallen into your life and you're flipping out and you don't know what to do and you need like you need him to show you something, don't forget who it is that we pray to. Open up your Bible, start reading the stories, start reading the, the miracles that Jesus performed. Start reading about the, the crucifixion, start reading about the new covenant, start reading about all those things. Go to, sit down at Google and Google the Grand Canyon and look at pictures for a little while. I mean, do anything that, that you can that will remind you just how significant um, the fact is that we get to come to the God the creator of the universe, the one who holds everything together, and he hears every word that you utter. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows every detail of what's going on in in your life, and he knows what's on the other side of this situation that you're pushing through. Don't forget who he is. Look at the next thing, verse 7. Oh, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? And give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. They've lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name. All right, hold it right there. Don't, not only, don't forget who he is, but don't forget what he's done. And we keep coming back to this, and it's just one of those things I think God really wants like for us to have that list of things that he's done in our life. We've got a Bible full of stories about him, and we have a life that's full of, of experiences. Just the fact that we know Christ and we have crossed over from death into life, I mean, that is, that is enough. So don't forget who he is. Don't forget what he's done. This is, you know, we're pulling points out of Jehoshaphat's prayer. Look at the next thing. It says, they've lived in it, verse 8, they've lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. What he's doing, he said, you know, on the, on the front end of these problems, this is what we said. This, we said, this is how we're going to handle this. So he's saying, okay, well, this is what we said we are going to do, and, and now we're doing it. So we're here, and we're asking you to come and to save us. Jehoshaphat was not afraid to claim the promises of God. So in the midst of us remembering who he is and what he has done, don't be afraid to basically call God out in a respectful way, but quote Scripture to him, you know. Say, you you said you would never leave us or forsake us, but yet I feel left and forsaken. So I need you to, God, I need you to show up. You said that you will, will guide us. I, I need guidance. You talk about discernment. I need it. You talk about the peace. I, I need it. I need patience. I need whatever. Go to the Word. Find those scriptures and say, God, you say this in your Word. I, I, I need this to show up. Don't be afraid to do that. That's not going to get offended. You're going to be like, hold up, hold up who you think you are. That's why he gave it to us. Claim the promises, and maybe don't do it with an attitude. All right, I understand that. Don't be afraid to, to claim those promises. 
Let's keep going. Look at, um, look at verse 10. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. All right? He points out the fact that this doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I really like that about his prayer. And I think that God likes honesty in the way that, that we pray. So when you're praying, don't be afraid to say, God, this doesn't make any sense to me. What he's saying is, like, you told us not to mess with them, so we didn't, and now they're coming to get us, which makes no sense. Sometimes in our, in our prayers, we need to be able to, to, to say that. Even if it comes down to, okay, God, you tell us to pray, and no, praying in faith and stuff like that, but I, I can't hear what you're saying, and that doesn't make any sense. For a married couple to pray together and to say, God, uh, we got some problems in our marriage, and you, you tell us to, to, like, to bring our burdens to you, and we're doing that, and things don't seem to be getting any better, that doesn't make any sense. For someone to say, God, I've struggled with this sin issue for years now, and you talk about deliverance, and you talk about like, all this stuff, and that it doesn't make sense. Don't be afraid to be honest with God in your prayers. And what's cool is that after, you, after you've looked at who he is and what he has done, it really just refocuses everything else from then on. And then you're not afraid to say it. And that's why this doesn't make sense. Because you are, you're a God of peace. And I don't understand why there's all this like chaos. Things are not lining up, and, and, and I really want them to. I think God just wants, he wants that honesty. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was extremely honest with the Father. What a beautiful example for us to follow. Um, look at verse 12. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. So he's not afraid to say, I, I can't do this. You know, he's not afraid to say, God, we, we cannot do this he's not afraid to say god i, I need your help and speaking on, speaking on behalf of the nation to say god we need your help so we we can't be at a in a place where we are afraid to do that or our pride will not allow us to do that or maybe going back to what i was talking about with men because we're supposed to be the the you know the protector the god the, the guider the provider you know all this kind of stuff like we can't let that get in the way of, of us saying exactly what needs to be said, which is, I can't do this. I need help. Look at verse 13. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. That's That's what... I don't know how to say it. That's where we need to be. That verse describes what needs to happen. When life happens, first thing we need to do is we need to get before the Lord. I love that verse because it, it, there's, there's a family standing in front of the Lord saying, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. you know, 
their dads saying, like, I have no idea how to handle this. I'm clueless. God, I've got to have your guidance. Their little ones watching their parents respond when they don't know what to do. My grandparents, um, my dad grew up in Liberty, Mississippi, and um, lived there his whole life. And, and my grandparents, it came to a point where they were having to make a decision about whether or not to move uh, to, uh, down to Louisiana. And um, they, were, they were farmers, and so they were out there picking butter beans or something one day, I don't know. And they were talking about it as they were going down the row, about what to do, and they were weighing pros and cons and everything. And then they were like, well, let's, we, need, we need to pray and ask God what to do. And so they knelt down in the garden right there, and they prayed. And what's cool is that that is a story that my parents... Really, I mean, my dad was before they were married, but my dad got to see his how his parents handled this big decision that they had to make. They didn't know what to do, and so my dad brought that into his marriage. And then we grow up hearing that story, and so at both of my grandparents' funeral, like my grandmother and my grandfather, that was talked about. That story was passed down and passed down. I mean, parents, isn't that what you want your, your kids to grow up seeing? This is how you handle adversity. This is how you handle those big times in life. This is, this is what you do. The first thing that you do is you look to, to God and you say, God, what, what do you have to say about this? And you get to the point where you can say that you stood there before the Lord. College students, same thing. That self-leadership. You're kind of in a place where you're having to make some decisions maybe for the first time. And this is about, it's about your life and about, it's about what you're going to major in and what you're going to do. Bring yourself before the Lord, first thing. High school students, same thing. I mean, there's just, there's just so many examples. So the first point, which was the longest point, by the way, uh, <laughs> y'all laugh, is to pray. Let's keep going. Verse 14 then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jahaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite, and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. Look at this. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. The second thing, first point was pray. The second point is listen. It would be lovely if every time you prayed, someone shouted from the crowd and told you exactly what to do. Um, it never happened to me. It freaked me out if it did. And so when we pray later tonight, let's nobody do that, okay? <laughs> Please. Um, it would be great if that's how it happened. And sometimes I think God does speak through people when you seek wise counsel and all that kind of stuff. The second point is listen. And that's not necessarily audibly. 
But looking for God's communication to us in response is something that we have to learn how to do. And it's, it's going to come in different forms. It's going to come in different ways, different times. God always responds to our prayers. Even his silence is a response. I know when I get the silent treatment from somebody that they're responding. Sometimes God kind of gives us that. And we have to kind of take that as maybe he's saying wait, maybe he's saying not now, maybe he's, you know, I don't know, kind of playing hide and seek for a reason, you know. I mean, I don't know. But he always responds, and the key to us is is that we have to listen. Um, you notice in his response, um, God's response through this, this guy, he basically tells him, all right, you're not going to have to fight, but you're going to have to show up. That irritates me because I just want God just to do stuff and I don't want to have to do anything, you know. I want to be able to go to God and say, God, there's this problem, but here's what's happened. I just need you to fix it. And I'm going to go and hide in the corner until you're done. But all throughout Scripture, there's this, there's this mixture or combination or, I don't know, where the divine and the human are working in tandem somehow. And it's like the, the redemptive mission of God on the earth carried out through the church, okay? So there's the divine aspect of what only he can do, but he uses humans and he uses us as his church to do that, okay? So there's always going to be this mixture of those two going on all the time. We tend to err on, on one side or the other. We're either, we either want God to do everything, we do nothing, or for us to do everything, and we don't want him to do anything. But the truth is, there's always going to be a mixture of stuff. He tells them, you're not going to have to fight, but you're going to have to show up. And sometimes, I mean, we're just going to have to accept the fact that, that like God's going to push us and make us uncomfortable in, in some areas in his response where, you know, I, where he's basically saying, I'm going to take care of it, but you need to show up and see it firsthand. That's what he tells them. Show up and see the deliverance. Where is it? Lost it. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. I really think he wanted that entire nation to show up and to see what was about to happen. All right? He didn't tell them, no, y'all just go back home, take care of it, whatever. He wanted them to see it firsthand. And so God's going to cause us uh, like, to, to, to do stuff. He's going to call us to do some things. And so maybe it means like having to, to have some tough conversations with people. You know? Maybe it's going to make you a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe you're going to have to go to some people and say, like, hey, I need you all to pray for me about this. Maybe you need to confess something to someone. I mean, there's going to be that human aspect of things where God wants us to show up and he wants us to do something to see his deliverance. Go into those conversations and watch him have already been at work ahead of you. Handle conflict the way the Bible says to handle it and watch Jesus' interaction in there make something beautiful happen, you know? God is a rescuer. We talked about that with Jonah a couple weeks ago. And we get to play a part in that. So don't 
sit back and pray and ask God just to do stuff while you look the other way because God's going to push you and push you in your faith. It took a lot of trust and a lot of faith for them to, for them to show up at a battle based on this random dude saying, everybody's going to be dead. You don't have to go. God's going to fight. Oh, okay, well, let's just go show up and see what happens. The first thing is pray. The second thing is listen. Let's keep going. Verse 18. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground. Then all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshipped before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kahathites and the Kohorites stood up and praised the Lord with the Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. I just love that. I mean, God speaks, and they just immediately respond. I love our time on Sunday nights when we get to sing. It's just a response to who God is, what he's done, what he's doing, what we need him to do. Just the fact that we, uh, we are alive because of him, it's just amazing. Verse 20, early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. And then, that, I mean, can you imagine this army is marching? He's just, who's leading the charge? A bunch of worship leaders out there singing this song, like going into battle, and it's just amazing. Verse 22, as they, as they began to sing and praise, all right? Look at the timing. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. All right, let's just stop right there. Pray, listen. The last one is, is obey. No matter how weird it gets, we have to be obedient to the, the leadership that God gives us. It probably had to freak them out to think, we're about to walk into a battle. Yeah, because God said so. You're going to have some freaky moments in your life where God's going to lead you to do things that are going to seem so weird. And out of a response to who he is and what he's done and what he's calling you to do, there are just going to be times where you're going to be like, this makes no sense at all. A long time ago, we used, to, we used to go pray on Monday nights at the clock tower at LSU. And um, there were just times where, like, next thing you know, like, we would be praying for healing for somebody. And it would just be, like, the weirdest thing because you're just like, I don't know why, but, like, God wants us to pray like, is anybody need, like, prayer for healing? And someone would come up and say, yeah, this has been happening. So we would pray for them. And, like, there were just times where you're just like, this makes no sense. But we were asking God to show us what to do, and then he would show us, and then the ball was kind of in our court. See, Jehoshaphat and them, they could have just hung out at home and be like, all right, well, God's going to do it anyways. I just I got some laundry to do and stuff and whatever. No, God told him to show up. And so there's going to come that point when you're facing this big stuff and, and you've been praying all of a sudden like you feel like God's really shown you what to do. That's when the ball is in our court and it's that obey or not obey moment. 
So it's like, okay, am I going to, am I going to, going back to my grandparents, are we going to kneel down in the garden and pray right here, even though that's weird and the neighbors might see us and our kids probably think we're crazy and whatever, or are we going to, we're going to do this? Husbands and wives, I mean, I, I, like, it may come to the point where you know, you're going to have to kneel down and you're going to have to pray together. You're going to get your family together and say, kids, this is what's going on. We don't know what to do, but we're going to pray as a family about how to handle this. You college students, you can just sit your parents down sometimes and say, look, this is what's going on. This is what I feel God wants me to do, and I need you guys to be praying for me. I want us to pray right now. Let's, let's figure out how to handle this. Groups of friends, you can sit your friends down sometimes and say, look, it's been bothering me the... the the, the humor that we have or the way we talk to each other or the lack of the fact that if anybody brings up Jesus, it just gets really weird and we're afraid to talk about holy things and that this is a problem and we, we need to talk about it. It's going to be those times. You'll never be disappointed in obedience. Ever, ever, ever. Look at, look at what happened to them. Verse 22, as they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. All right, So three armies show up, and they start fighting each other, and they just kill each other. All of them. Everybody's dead. So when... They show up, look at verse 24, when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and, looks, and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. What a beautiful sight. <laughs> what a beautiful moment because what that describes is that they showed up and they saw the Lord's deliverance. They saw it. They went into that uncomfortable place that, that is obedience, and they saw his deliverance. They experienced it. They gave him one more story on their list of reasons to trust the Lord, to trust his sovereignty and his power. They saw it. All they saw were dead bodies. Verse 25, So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. That's why it's called the Valley of Barakah to this day. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lutes and trumpets. The fear of God came upon all the kingdoms of the countries, and they had heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for God had given him rest on every side. I mean, look at all the, all the fruit of, of obedience. They see his deliverance. There's all this, like, plunder. I mean, just way more than they ever could have, have imagined. Um, they come back, they're rejoicing. Word of God's power spreads. There was rest. There was peace. I mean, obedience brings the best kind of fruit. And so when life happens, maybe those three words that we pull out of this story will be helpful. Pray, listen, obey. Seems so elementary, you know. Something like I learned that when I was like four. But it's those basic things that we struggle with, isn't it? 
We struggle to pray. We struggle with listening. We struggle with obedience. When we go back to 2 Timothy 1.7, God's not given us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. See, all these things, they are a part of who we are in Christ. And for some reason, God has brought this group together tonight to hear about this story and to hear these points. And I don't know how it reaches into your life, but like Drew said earlier tonight, embrace what he's bringing. Don't shy away from whatever it is he's stirring in your heart. So let me pray for us, and we're just gonna we're gonna sing a little bit. We're just gonna let this sink in, and then we're gonna uh, go eat some dessert. All right, but this time right now is very important because as soon as we start stacking chairs and going crazy, uh, sometimes we can very easily forget what God's done. So let's let's pray to Him and ask Him uh, to show up even more than He already has.